Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past, and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at 1-888-791-4210. Hey everybody, welcome to Growing Up Fire, Season 2, Episode 23. Man, I can't believe it's 23 already. We're almost done another season, getting ready. Just ordered the Season 3 Challenge Coins. Working on putting together our Nova Scotia, PEI, New Brunswick tour, our Maritimes tour. It's crazy. You know, I get asked all the time. Probably the biggest question is, why are you doing this? What are you doing? Honestly, I don't really have anything for you. Tonight, we're just going to talk about some leadership stuff. We're going to talk about kind of what we're doing, some goals, some things that we're trying to get done. We got some great feedback from our last solo show. So I decided to put together another one and kind of just go through some of the different things that are going on in our life, in our world here at Growing Up Fire. I think you all know now my wife, Kirsten, helps me out with all this stuff. Kids are in on it too, Kirsten or Sarah and Ryan, it's fun. It's fun to talk about it. It's fun to kind of pre-show with them and have them on once in a while and just kind of talk about all the different things. Our apparel line's going crazy thanks to all the supporters. You know, the hashtag always learning, hashtag always training, you know, comes back to me on social media time and again on both mine at Chief Coots and on our Growing Up Fire stuff. And so thanks. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to everybody that's always trying to support us and be part of this. That's an amazing thing. I got to tell you, for anyone that's thinking of doing this, it's awesome to do, but it's so much work. (laughs) You got to come up with the topics, come up with the people, get over there, see them, pre-show, do the show, send it off for editing, find the sponsors, work with the sponsors, but it's so worth it. It's so fun. And when the mic turns on and you got to start talking and going through everything, it all makes it worthwhile. The fire service to me, I mean, it's amazing, right? It's one of my favorite things. Firefighter safety is so near and dear to me and so important to me that this gives us that platform to talk about firefighter safety, to talk about what's going on, what's important in the uh, fire service world. You got to remember, though, that this is just an opinion show, right? I can say whatever I want. (laughs) but it's my opinion or the opinion of the people that come on the show. So, you know, for the odd person that gets revved up, man, save your time, save your energy. You know, you start bad talking me on socials. I'm just going to delete it. And I don't really care. You know, if you want to have a positive conversation and discuss things, I'm all about that. You know, send us the stuff and and we'll talk about it. But, you know, you'll just see. I'm not really about the negative stuff. And in my social stuff, I'm I'm not going to be doing that. So be positive. Be polite. We have a discussion. We don't have to agree. It's okay. We can still be friends if we don't agree. But always super important for us to uh, try to stay on the side of positive. So I talked a little bit about the Nova Scotia trip. But we'll probably be on it when this comes out. So we're heading out there for... I don't know what it is, 11 days, I guess. It all started out with Jason Cochran from Brooklyn Fire reaching out. They're having a big anniversary supper, and we're looking for somebody to come out and have a chat. We love the Maritimes, so we're happy to jump on that. Then we talked to him about, hey, you know, why don't we set up something bigger than that? And so he started reaching out to other fire departments, and yeah, next thing you know, we're headed to PEI, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia. Our goals they're always lofty because that's who we are but our goals are to visit 40 fire halls while we're out there we're given eight talks on uh, leadership fires evacuations disaster service management chaos theory you know all these different things so we're excited to be out there as always i love bringing people into our world we'll talk about the 2011 slave lake fire the 2016 fort mcmurray fire you know lessons learned and changes that we see and sadly didn't see And really kind of just help talk about change. Personally, I don't think anyone changes as much as firefighters. I might be a little biased, but we're always changing. We're always moving on. We're always trying new things, new tools, new equipment, new processes. 
it's change, change, change. So really the fire service is about change management. You know, you hear this story and I guess a joke amongst all of us that a hundred years of tradition unimpeded by change, but it's just something we say when people aren't changing the way we want to, because we've changed so much. You know, if you look back a hundred years in firefighting, you know, what's the same? We put water on the fire, what stuff on the red stuff, that's the same, but all the other things have changed, right? So, you know, we change a lot and, and we do a lot and that's great. While we're out there, we're also going to try and record a whole Maritimes tour of podcasts. So open up season three with an insane amount of podcasts from all of our friends out there. We've been going out there for the Canadian Volunteer Fire Service Association conferences for years now. We're going out for different trips, different talks. I've had the opportunity to talk out there quite a few times. New Brunswick, PEI. You know what? We love it. We love the Maritimes. We love the people. We love the scenery. We don't care that it's November. We're still just happy to get out there. And and of course, everyone's being so friendly and, and so ready to go. So can't wait to get out there. Can't wait to do some shows and bring it back to you. For us, it's always about doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. And that's not easy for everyone to comprehend, right? There can be a lot of politics in this job, and, and there really doesn't need to be right? I always tell the guys at work, you know, you got to be good at politics. You got to understand it. You don't have to play all the time. You just have to understand where you are. And when you do have to play, you have to play your A game, but it doesn't have to be politics all the time, everywhere you go. You know, for us, really, you'll find I try to keep our social media stuff positive. You know, do I slip up and get a little pissed off about stuff once in a while? No question, right? A little revved up. I try hard not to name names, course everyone always thinks i am and, and gets shouting at me but that's okay you know the people that get pissed off are the ones i'm probably talking about right and if the shoe fits wear it our job is to take care of the firefighters take care of the fire service and for all of the people that are out there being an officer or the chiefs you know chiefing isn't easy it's that simple and so you know if you want it to be easy and you think it's easy you probably should get out of it we gotta keep working to make everybody safe and to keep this thing going so Super happy to be part of it. Like I said, reach out to us on social media. Talk to us. Uh, we can talk about anything you want. We're just back from Manitoba. So that was a great trip. Got to go out there and we were over in Hanover, Manitoba. Paul Weeb, shout out to him. So thanks for having us out there. Got to go to all of his fire halls, all four of his fire halls. Got to sit down with the leaders. And I'm going to talk a little bit about our Leadership 101 course that we got going on. I sat down with a bunch of people and kind of started talking about what's missing in the fire service. And, you know, you've got 1021. You've got different leadership experts that are given courses. It's kind of the thing I hate the most. People think they got a new spin on courses, and here I am doing it, right? <laughs> I laugh all the time. There's things I used to hate, consultants and people developing courses that already existed. So here I am crushing it. I get the irony in all of that. And I also now kind of understand why they do those things, right? I love my consultant life. I love to go out there and help fire departments kind of look at what's wrong and what they can do better and what they're doing that's great. I think we miss all those pieces. I like that we're having success and that we're that we're moving different fire departments forward. So being out in Manitoba was great. We got to sit down and talk about this leadership course and everything to do with it. And they gave us some great feedback, right? We weren't delivering the course. We were actually talking about the content. There probably was 40 leaders in there. And we got to look at it from the training officer perspective, fire prevention, you know, inspectors, investigators, chief officers. And it was just great. I mean, it was awesome room full of lieutenants, captains. There's even a few firefighters that stuck around. And so it was great to talk about it and hear their perspective and all those things, right? For me, I always think, you know what? It's easy. You just get out there and talk about the life that you've had. And, you know, I share a lot of that on this podcast with all of you in different ways and different levels. But I was, I don't know if I was really lucky or really unlucky in my career, but I got to see and do so many things, right? It was so sad on so many days to see the destruction and death and the things that we had to do. But if you flip it around to the positive, we also got to help out so many people when we were there. You know, it was this small little fire department that had, you know, 50 fires a year, wildland fires, house fires. I mean, it was a northern oil and gas and forestry town. So, you know, we had our share of the trailer court problems and 
the small motels and things like that. I can remember being on responses where we'd have to travel 120 kilometers before we even got to the accident. And so to know that people were waiting for us while we were rushing out there to try and get there was just insane. I remember one day, and this is a time that I crashed a fire truck, right? And I guess I'm also well known for sharing all the stuff that I do and that's happened to me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And and this day was no exception. We were in our small little, I guess it'd be like a two-ton rescue truck that was donated to us. And we were heading out to this call. It was a rolled over pickup. So we're heading north out of Slave Lake and, you know, it's snowy, it's icy. And so we're only doing about 120, but still, you know, we're clipping for a night like that. And I remember passing this old boy. He was in one of those long old cars, right? from the 80s there and his window was down about two inches and his nose right up to the windshield watching and we blew by him and about two kilometers down the road a cow and a calf moose ran out on the road so pulled to the left to try and get around him couldn't get around him breaking the whole time and smoked a cow her head hit right in the middle of the windshield right in front of the captain that was riding with us and the rest of the moose you know the head kind of came inside the captain put his hands up and it like touched his hands. The body went down the side, so it got pulled out by the A-post and, and away we went down into the ditch. As we're flying down the ditch, I remember the captain, Captain Bellreef, screaming, brakes, 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 brakes. And we were down in the ditch and smoked this little tree and here are the guys trying to spit out glass in the back and, and he's still yelling brakes. And I was like, hey, Cap, we're stopped, right? But he couldn't see that or... I guess was disoriented because he had a bunch of glass flew in his face. There we go, right? We're all sitting there. Nobody really got hurt, luckily. But then this old boy in the big car pulls up his window down an inch there and, and asks everyone if we're okay, right? He was just rattled. So they sent out another truck, picked up all the rescue gear, went on to the accident, and we all got picked up in a van and taken back to the hospital. Glass cleaned out of our eyes and get checked out and all of those things. And while we were there, the ambulance brings in the 15-year-old kid that had stolen a truck and flipped it that we were originally going out to. And I was always grateful for the situation. The young fella there was, you know, had a, an RCMP member with him and they're trying to sort out what to do. And I remember walking into the, to the ER, the emergency room and saying, hey, you know, could I just have a second with this guy? And I'm quite sure that the police officer was wondering if he should let me or not, but he did. And, you know, we had a little head-to-head -head conversation there about, you know, what happens when you do these kinds of things and the repercussions. And, you know, we all got away lucky that day, but it could have turned so much worse. And so I remember that conversation. I remember that incident. And then in true firefighter fashion, right, the insurance company sent it away, got the truck fixed up. Truck shows up seven, eight weeks later course my buddy jason has to be always the comedian the truck has three moose down the side of it and two red x's on this brand new paint job that we got on this rescue truck and so that kind of started for me the camaraderie the joking the the part that firefighters are best known for amongst ourselves they don't tease you if they don't like you in the fire service. And, and so it was great to get that truck back. And it was also great that, you know, you just have to wait till someone else screws up to kind of get off the list, right? But that whole thing was just one of those experiences that teaches you so many things, right? It could have been worse. It could have been much worse. You know, we were going out to do something we shouldn't have had to do because somebody did something that they weren't supposed to do. But we all lived through it. We all learned from it. We got a new paint job on the rescue. And you could bet we got some new training programs as well after that. So my time in Slave Lake was great. We saw the worst of the worst and the saddest of the sad. But we also got to help out all those people and change those lives for the better. So, you know, through those thousands and thousands of car accidents and hundreds and hundreds of fires and all of the police that went through and ambulance and firefighters, I just get to build up this great base, this great camaraderie with people. And now when I travel, I mean, I almost always run into somebody that knows a member that I know or a paramedic that I know or a firefighter that I know from somewhere. And so it's just this great area that we came from. I mean, it didn't hurt, obviously, that we went to those great big disasters, one in our town and one in Fort McMurray. You know, helped out 2019 with uh, high level. And so you just keep running into the same people, right? And so you build this camaraderie, this family, this 
this fire service thing with all of these other agencies and you know it just keeps going on and so while we were out in manitoba you know we talked about that and we that was part of the leadership stuff and you know how you got to get out of your your own little silo right you got to get out of your own little bubble and go see other things and talk to other people so you know i'm at 441 fire departments across this great country now if i get the other 40 that my goal is while i'm in nova scotia i'll be at 481 my overall goal was 500 i think i really feel like we'll hit that in 2023 and i think after i do i don't know if there's any reason to keep counting right we're counting to get to a goal and that goal was to expand horizons that goal, you know, was to break down that silo, that island that we were in Slave Lake before the fire and to uh, find out everything else that's going on out there. And so I guess today the challenge to you is to do that. Don't pass the fire hall. Stop in, see the people, check it out. You know, I went to Steinbeck, you know, we left Hanover and we're headed down to Buffalo Point and you know, I'd driven by the Steinbach Fire Hall so many times and, and there wasn't a vehicle there or we didn't have time. or, And so I said to Kirsten, I was like, let's just stop. Like, there might be someone there, right? And the chief wasn't there, unfortunately, but one of the firefighters was there and he was prepping for an instructor exam. And you know what? He dropped everything. I just couldn't believe it. He dropped all, he was studying and getting ready and he dropped everything and starts showing us around. It's this beautiful fire hall big glass doors opens up onto the main drag and they've got to uh, check it out i posted some pictures on social media and they've got this cool tv holder that they can move around and he talks about having a meal before practice and he talks about that they're not full-time but you know someday they're gonna have to start to move to some of that model and they're covering this city and just the pride everything he showed us pride happiness he was so happy to be on the fire department and to be moving up and you know he talked for two seconds about his actual career and he talked for an hour and five minutes about the fire service and how he fit into it and what it had given him and all the different organizations that he'd been part of and, and all the things that go together with that i was so happy so proud to be allowed into this fire hall and so, you know, when we left there and had to drive down to Buffalo Point to work with the fire department there on Lake of the Woods, we talked about that pride, right? And a lot of the places where we go that are, that are having troubles, right? When you're a consultant, kind of nobody that's having a really good time and everything's going perfect ever calls us, right? It's always the ones that are struggling or there's a problem or maybe a whole bunch of problems. And so we talked about that common thread, that common piece of pride, right? And having the pride and putting the fire service first and putting your fellow firefighters first and, and all of those things. So it was just this great discussion to follow up on working with the Hanover folks and, and seeing this Steinbeck Fire Hall. And then we got down to this tiny little First Nation in southeast Manitoba, touching the Ontario border, touching the Minnesota border. And we just got to have these great discussions with them, right? 10, 11 firefighters, small little area, rebuilding their fire department over the last couple of years. And they just couldn't get enough of it. We talked about it. They took us across the border. We went to uh, Rosenort and Warroad, a couple of small towns in Minnesota. We got to see their fire halls and some of their gear. And some of the things they're trying to protect, Marvin Windows, this huge factory complex in War Road, and the Polaris factory over in Rosenort. And, you know, just got to see all these different pieces coming together. And so you take all of these pieces and all of these learnings and put it into the leadership memory bank and start to talk about, here's all these poor leaders out there, right? A lot of you that listen to this podcast, you tell me this stuff, right? You got the job it, and it was kind of a game of survivor. You outlast, outwit, outplay the, the other people. And then all of a sudden someone gives you a red helmet or someone gives you a white helmet. You know, it's not through a promotional process. It's not, you stayed the longest, nobody's really taught us how to do all these things and then they say hey take 1021 right i'm not putting that course down but you know when you're from a small fire department and you're struggling to find time to put the pieces together and you don't really know what the pieces all are does 1021 really get you where you got to go we really heard this trip from the officers 
what we can do to help them and how we can help them to stay safe and keep their firefighters safe. And, and so that was great. So we'll, we'll talk a lot about that course and we'll go through some of the points tonight and just kind of talk about that. You know, for me, it's the politics, the profession itself, and all of the points to ponder in all of this. I often talk about the sayings I love, and I know that I got some Jamie-isms, people call them, and, and things that I say all the time. And, you know, for me, it's okay. I like having those things. It's things that, sayings that impacted me as I went through my career, right? I talk about ego, turf, time, and money. You know, apply those. Apply them to the problems in your life. Figure out what's going on and then how to correct each one of those things or whatever's causing the problems. It's, it's a real thing. You know, I didn't invent that saying, you know, I read it somewhere and kind of stuck with it and, and made it a thing. I certainly didn't invent always training and, and always learning. Those are things that people put up on social media millions of times every week. But to me, it's just part of what we're trying to talk about, trying to share, trying to do. So it's, it was really important to, to keep talking about that. I had a MLA hopeful stop in last night. And, and so it made me laugh because, you know, here I am, it's this cold night and we're standing at the door and we're talking about the ambulance service in Alberta, which might as well be the discussion in all of Canada. We're talking about funding for fire departments. You know, we sat there talking for probably 30 minutes and in the background, you could hear our truck go by three different times. And so, of course, I'm wondering, listening to the cue siren blaze all over the city, what's going on? Checking my phone while we're kind of having this conversation. You know, she finally said to me, wow, the sirens are really going tonight. And I was like, yeah, they are. And you know what's weird? Do you hear the siren? It's just one kind. It's the fire truck moving from place to place to place. You're not hearing the ambulance siren. And so, you know, we kind of talked about that. And I'm not a huge fan of politics. I would say that some of the worst parts of my career are, are all the politics surrounding, you know, some of the reasons why I left different places. But, you know, I do like to talk about it. It was no problem to sit with her and give her the time and, and to talk about federal, provincial, and municipal politics and kind of all the pieces internal politics at work all the way up to watching Trudeau and the liberals and all the things they're doing. So it was great. It was a good challenge for her, I think, to talk to somebody that's not all in on what she was saying and what she thinks. You know, I certainly got my issues with all of the politics and all of the parties and talking about those things. So it was great. But it's just about that timing, right? Hearing that fire truck move around like that. So I don't know. It was, again, I'll chalk it up to a difficult discussion. I don't think it was that difficult for me, but I could tell you that she felt like it was difficult. You could read it in her body language. Really smart lady that's trying to get an MLA seat here. And we just talked about that. We talked about the mudslinging and the negativity and the, the whole thing's just in crisis. But we had just a really good talk about it. And so to me, I was like, you know, if I... Two people, varying opinions, varying parties, you know, we could just have a great talk. She didn't convince me of anything, I could tell you that. I'm positive I didn't convince her of anything. But you know what? We had a great talk and we didn't get in a fist fight and everybody shook hands and smiled and, you know, even agreed to talk later if that's what it takes. And so to me, I, I liked it. It was a step forward in a world full of negativity and crap right now. I really got to tell you, I, I enjoyed just having a chat with somebody that could have a different opinion than me and still get along, right? So when she left, I started to think again about this leadership course and I was trying to do some edits on it and text them back and forth with the fellas that are working on it with me. And, and it kind of came down to what gives this job value, right? Why would you want to be an officer, you know, there's the whole, oh, I get to be the boss and I get to give direction. And some of that's true, I guess, right? We get to help set the train tracks that we got to live in and we get to make sure people stay in there. But I mean, we're basically heading in a direction in the fire service, you know, so, so is that it? Is that what I value? Then there's the, we get to work with all these young people and help mold them into great firefighters and find out a way to keep them safe and answer all their questions and move things forward. So, you know, is that what gives the job value? Is it, is it helping the people? Is it the way your kids and your grandkids and your, your spouse look at you? Is it the way the, the public thanks us for our service? 
I doubt it's that one because I don't know about you, but that always makes me super uncomfortable. You know, kind of what I came up to and what we came up to texting around was, you know, it's just a discussion to be had because what gives the job value is different for every single person. And I think it has to be. It can't be the same for every single one of us, right? It, it has to be, what do you value? And what do you get out of it? And what do you put into it? And how does that make it work? And you can't follow someone else's footsteps. And you see that clear as day. I see that with my own son. I see that with my daughter when she was starting up with the fire service. I hear my wife talking to people and it's, you know, it certainly started out that she didn't know that much, but over years of working with health and safety and HR and, and now over the last four years, helping us develop and do the eval tool, I hear her talk like me. I hear her passion. I hear what gives her value in helping out fire services. And she's never been a firefighter. So to me, again, it's just what gives this job value and, and how does that help us direct ourselves? And so when is it the right time to be an officer? When is it the right time to move up through those ranks? When is it the right time to step aside, right? We see that all too often. It seems like no one wants to quit the fire service, right? It's this great thing. It's a great thing to be part of, but sometimes it doesn't fit our life. Sometimes we outgrow it. Sometimes we just get sick of it. Sometimes we get tired. You know, sometimes we just get to the end and it's time to shut her down and move on. And so these are all part of this whole leadership discussion is when's the right time to move up? When's the right time to move on? When's the right time for all of these things? When it doesn't give me value anymore, but you have to define what gives you the value. Acres Emergency Vehicles, a message from our community. A person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an Acres Emergency Vehicle. This is our mission, to thank these people with the best gift we can, our best effort. Our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. We guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres Emergency Vehicles, built for a life of service. Please visit our website at www.acresev.ca. As we move through this, it's all kind of part of the leadership course, kind of part of the talk, right? We just wanted to have these discussions and develop this course and really it's not for the certificate you get at the end but for the discussions you have on the way through this journey right so we wanted to keep it short we wanted to keep it guided to leadership and mentorship and and how we kind of run a fire service and why we do certain things and i think that those were some lofty goals to have at the start of developing this course but as we moved through it and we had these incredible conversations amongst all of us we had to do the research on, you know, how we're going to do this and what does it have to say? And, you know, we're not trying to steal a bunch of stuff from other people and just put it in our own words. So what did leadership mean to us? And when I say us, you know, this probably got sent out to 10, 12 people. And there's a pretty small group of three or four of us that kind of pushed it through till the end here. Will it go somewhere? Who knows? Has it helped me already? I got to tell you, it has, right? Has it helped the two young guys that kind of helped put it together and make it a course, you know, incredibly, right? And so we just kind of keep pushing it forward and, and keep making it work out. You know, so, some things that we see as we travel around the country is firefighters like structure. They like processes. They like procedures. You know, is there anything that we love more as a firefighter than a good checklist, and being able to hit those check marks and, and check off a whole checklist and say, we got it all done and we're all ready. You know, we like to have the structure of the paramilitary organization. Sometimes we like to hide behind it or around it or away from it. But in the long run, we like to have that structure. We like to be able to say, yeah, I'm a firefighter and I fit in the hierarchy this way, right? We like to leave off that council and the CAOs are our bosses. We like to leave off that the chief and the band counselors on the nations are our bosses. We kind of like to do our own thing until we need something and then we want to be part of something bigger. And so that structure kind of changes as we go along, right? 
I work with lots of people from all over the country and and they could be, you know, I was on the fire department for three years and all of a sudden I was the chief because no one else wanted to do it. It could be, I've been on the fire department for 35 years and I never moved up to chief. I never wanted to do it and everything in between. And I think that's all okay, right? We just like to have the structure. We just like to know how it works, that we have to do the truck checks, that everyone has a lane and we got to keep that going. The processes and procedures, that's not as easy. You know, you're from a big city fire department with lots of people to work on things. You probably have a training division, a fire prevention division. You know, you might have special teams. So you have all kinds of processes and procedures. For the little guy, you don't have that. Unless somebody took the time to build that all out for you, you might have the structure, you might have a few of the pieces. Operationally, you're probably killing it because that's firefighters, problem solve and get the job done. But you might be missing processes and procedures and and you got to keep working on that, right? Those are the things that'll sneak up and bite you in the butt and you know hurt you with your people later on. We have to always continuously try to improve our fire service, right? And so every leadership guru anywhere will always be putting up how you have to keep learning and you have to value your employees and you have to, there's a lot of things that we say when we're out there but you also have to know how to turn that saying into reality. And I will tell you that nothing humbled me more in that area than the fire, right? And to see my buddy Jim living in the back furnace room for seven days while he figured out where he was going to live after his house burnt down in Slave Lake, right? So this is a guy I came up with. We started on the same day, been friends ever since. And he never said a word. He slept on a cot in the back and never missed a shift, never missed a day of work. And so those things like that, it just, how do you do that? How do you find the strength? How do you find the fortitude to, to get through that and keep going and, you know, still be so proud to be a firefighter and so, so much professionalism, so much integrity to just come every day, you know, I guess from the furnace room. <laughs> to the front and start your day and know that all you have to do is come back to that same place. I don't know. I've just had so many great people to look up to and they weren't always people above me. You got to realize that you have to understand that, that, you know, so many times the people, the new people are teaching me stuff. People that aren't even firefighters are teaching me stuff about being firefighters. The questions that the kids ask me when I go to school, the firefighters having a discussion during training or at coffee or breakfast in the morning, all of those pieces put together are our processes and our procedures and our, how do we do things and, and how do we figure this out? You know, they do. They, we just want to continuously learn. We want to be out there and, and figuring that stuff out. Operationally, we can do amazing things. To this day, it doesn't matter which fire department it is, how much trouble they've had, how much trouble they're in, how sideways things have gone. I find they always find a way to get on the truck and go out there and help the people that they signed up to help. You know, sometimes they put themselves in too much danger. There's problems there. We saw that in Fort McMurray for sure. Saw it in Slave Lake. You know, sometimes we put ourselves in too much danger for too little reward. And so we have to be careful about those kinds of things. But but operationally, typically they're just out there killing it. And so no matter how bad it's gotten, no matter how mad they are at a chief officer or the council or the CAO or the public's mad at them or whatever's going on, they just keep answering the call. And that's amazing. It's amazing that people can just go out there and keep doing that. And so we got to support that, right? Sometimes we just get so busy surviving that we forget to take a step back and to start fixing a few things at a time. And so over this last week, we started a new consulting piece and a new evaluation. And, and I found myself telling the story over and over again. This is not my saying. It's one I picked up along the way. And, and it's just amazing, which is what's a camel. And it's a horse built by committee. And so we talked about, you know, how many failures they had by having committees and how many times they missed the mark and how many struggles they had and how nobody wanted to be on a committee anymore and no one wanted to move anything forward because they'd missed the mark and had so much disappointment so many times that they were just having a hard time getting people to sign up 
And that really hit me, right? It, it really hit me that, you know, there were so many things that they just hadn't had success with, but they still kept going out there and answering the call, hundreds of calls a year to try and make it work. And so you start to think, you know, how can we work together and how can we help each other out? And so, you know, they're just out there surviving. And so we started to talk about, you know, what's some small wins? What's some things we can do? And right there, you know, on the spot, they started to think a different way. And so it's fun for me to be out there and to see that and to see them start to turn the corner and to change the tide, I guess, and to kind of be ready for all the things that come next. And so embrace those, embrace those things, embrace those, those stories, those changes. We were talking about the time that we really wanted pavement at our fire hall and, and everybody was like, yeah, we'll storm the castle, right? We're going to go down and we're going to straighten out these counselors and, you know, we'll all quit if they don't give us what we want. And, you know, the very next week, there's the mayor with a box saying, you don't want to be a firefighter here, fill this box up and get out of our fire hall. We'll sort it out. We'll figure it out, but we're not going to be held hostage by you. And so, you know, it's like one of these, it's not a great memory, but it is a great memory, right? It, it changed the way that we looked at things as a fire department. You know, the the threats and the foot stomping and the, the childish ways weren't going to get the job done. So we sat down and talked about it, thought about it and worked it out. And the next year we got pavement, you know, it's just about being an adult, being a grown up, figuring it out. And I think back to probably the hassle that that caused our boss at the time, our chief at the time, you know, all the politics that he had to play and, and get through that maze to still get us to pavement and keep us all calm and, and not have the mayor take all our pagers away. So it's interesting. So I just want to take a, a little bit of time now and kind of talk about my favorite leadership characteristics, right? I love the leaders that can just build a team. And build it so strong that they could just let them do their work. You know, they don't have to interfere. You got to mentor a little here. You got to get some training. You got to help out. You got to answer some questions and set direction. But they build a team so strong that they can just let it work. I love the people that can do that. You know, support the team. Set the tracks. Positive when you got to be positive. But also course correction when you need course correction. And I can tell you that... I've had to have my course corrected more than once in this long career. And every single time, you know, whether it turned out right or wrong or whether I felt the person was right or wrong, all those course corrections, it's all good stuff. It's all part of the learning. And, and so, I mean, you know, if the people were willing to spend some time with me and, and talk about things and correct the course, I can only be happy that that happened and that we got to get that done. Good communication. I think that for me, one of my favorite leadership characteristics is the people that have good communication. I'd rather they over-communicate, right, and just tell too much than to under-communicate. I love the ones that handle the difficult discussions and have great examples. And, you know, you kind of, you probably just got in trouble, but you still left there feeling good. You left there feeling good about the organization. You left there feeling good about your relationship with the person. And those are the great communicators. Those are the ones that, that get the job done. They make you feel like it's all about you, even sometimes when you're getting in trouble. And so I love that, right? And there's been some trying times in my career where I could tell you I lost my cool and did some poor, poor, poor communicating. But again, it's all part of the learning, right? Get through it and, and move on. And then I, I love the leaders that can stick to their lane. They don't have to be the best at everything. They don't have to be the smartest at everything. They let the people with special knowledge and skills do what they have to do and lead who they have to leave, or lead, sorry, and do all of the things that we're supposed to do. It doesn't have to be them, right? There's always, you know, there's the guys, like, oh, you got to lead from the front all the time. No, sometimes you lead from the middle. Sometimes you lead from the back. Sometimes you lead from the side right? Sometimes you lead by letting people walk over you to get where they got to go and support them from underneath, right? And so there's all those different kinds of ways to lead. None of them are right. None of them are wrong. They're all applied at different times in different ways, but it's about sticking to your lane, sticking to your purpose, right? You don't think I would love to jump in on some training sessions and, and kind of straighten out some things I see? Sure. 32 years, I'd seen some stuff. I did some stuff. I'd love to jump in on it but it's not my job anymore. And so instead, 
I make sure that I support the people whose job it is to do that and work with them and and move it through. And so, you know, th- those are just some of my favorite leadership characteristics. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be the same if I didn't flip the coin and talk about some of my, you know, the faults, I guess, that I don't like. And so, you know, I guess I hate micromanagement. And I hate it when they micromanage and they have no idea that they're micromanaging. They're such a poor leader that they just miss the whole point of it. And when you say something, they just get mad and start to micromanage more. And then they get in trouble for micromanaging and that just causes them to micromanage more. And it's just this this thing that doesn't have to get done, right? Goes back to that, one of the things I love, build the team so strong that you can just let them do their work. And so micromanagement, it never works. It's never good. It never helps. You know, let people learn, let people grow, let people try things. If no one's going to get hurt, no one's going to get killed, roll with it, right? It's, it's part of mentorship. It's part of leadership. And then I guess another leadership fault that drives me nuts is being oblivious to the team morale and needs, right? If, if you can't tell that the team's having a hard time, if you can't tell that they're struggling, there's something wrong right? Somewhere along your route, your your path, your steps, you should have learned that it's important to judge morale and work with morale and talk to people and say, what do you need, right? Now, this past weekend, we're working with the fire department and I must have said a hundred times, you know, what do you need to be successful? What's holding you back? What's What's holding the fire department back? What's holding you back personally? What's holding back your team, your training program? What do you need to be successful? You can be mad, you could be sad, you could be lost, you could be off track, but what do you need to fix that? And so people that can't see that, I guess I just struggle with that. And then I guess back to that communication piece. So a leadership fault that drives me nuts are the people that communicate all day. They talk and they talk and they talk and they talk, but they don't say anything. They just talk in a circle or talk to hear themselves or, you know, say things that nobody understands. And when they ask for clarity or to be corrected, they get mad and then just say the same thing over again. Right. And so kind of that lack of communication or that lack of knowledge, I think that drives me a little bit nuts if I was being honest. So let's kind of finish up with this a little bit of an overview of leadership 101 and and the process and all the things we talked about. We really kind of developed this leadership program out of what we thought was a bit of a need. Maybe some of the smaller fire departments, I doubt one of any of the cities are going to call me up and have me come out there and chat them up, but it's to kind of just talk to leaders about how this works, right? Administration, operations, health and safety, training, infrastructure, and, and leadership, mentorship, all of those pieces right? And so there's the legal side of what we got to do. There's the moral side of what we got to do. There's the people side of what we got to do. And I think it's important that we talk about all of those things, right? So we start off, you know, what's the role? What are we doing there? We got serve the public, save the public, save their property, save the environment we all use, right? Those are age old things. We all know that, but sometimes we forget that, right? And it's tough when you're in a leadership position, you, you got to put those other people out there, put them out in front of you and, and worry about yourself last. But remember that you got to still worry about yourself. You know, you can't just get lost in everything that's going on. So, you know, as we moved along, we're like, well, you know, how do we set that all up? And you've heard me on the show talk before about, you know, set it up properly, set it up for success, levels of service, right? Having a lane, making sure everyone's in their lane, understanding what council is supposed to do, understanding what the CAO is supposed to do. You know, why do we have a fire chief? And why is it so important that we have a fire chief? What are they supposed to do? How are they supposed to do it? You'll find like the fastest way to mess up a fire service is to have your fire chief lose their way, right? To have the fire chief be too sad or mad or upset or or be lost in their own personal life or their other work life and start to steer the fire department away from what they're supposed to be doing as they get caught up in their own thing. And so what are we supposed to do? How do we back each other up? How do the officers back up the deputy and the deputy back up the chief and the chief talk to the CAO and how do we interact with council? And, you know, you've heard me talk about that a thousand times on here, right? Having a job description that actually fits the role. You know, there was one we talked about all weekend, 
we have these fancy job descriptions and we all basically use the same one, but does it actually fit the role? Does a small town fire department, you know, 500 people living in town and they got 13 people on the fire service. Does that fire chief actually have the exact same job description as me at the city of Chestermere, as Joe at the city of Edmonton, you know, as Steve at the city of Calgary, do, do we all have the, you know, same job description? I don't think so, right? We got to look at, you know, what we're actually supposed to be doing and what level we're supposed to be flying at and, and figuring all those pieces, you know, above and below the line. What's everyone supposed to be doing and how does it all fit together? You know, we, we talk a lot about fire prevention. It's, you know, we missed the mark in the small fire departments in so many ways at so many times. You know, we put so little into it. You know, I was looking at a $600,000 budget the other weekend there at a small fire department and there wasn't even a line for fire prevention. <laughs> you know, you know, you spend 600,000 bucks operationally and $0 trying to make sure we don't have to spend it. And, and again, it's about time. It's about who can put in the, the time, who's committed to the program. How do we get that? It's not easy. And Please don't think that I'm trying to make it easy or, or make it, you know, that we don't care or we don't want to do better. I, I get that we do. We all wish we had the time to do it, the money, right? But I get it, right? So we talk about all of those things. We talk about recruitment and retention till we're purple in the face. And, and honestly, like recruitment to me and retention, it's about getting good people. It's about valuing their time. Right. If you're not going to value my time, and I don't just mean with money, I mean with training, with how we attend calls, that, you know, making sure that people come to the training and the calls, that we don't have favoritism, that we're not showing some people that it's okay to not do a good job and not really be part of it, and others holding them to impossible standards that nobody can meet. Right. You know, it's about value to me, you know, retention. It seems like we're kind of a throwaway world. Right? We buy a TV, it lasts for three years, and we throw it in the garbage. We buy our kids an Xbox, and two years later, next year, another one comes out, and we get that one, and the other one's garbage. And it's kind of everywhere. You know, government positions are throwaway positions now. The fire department will just be like, yeah, whatever, we'll just let you go. And so we spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours getting a firefighter ready and we'll just let them walk out the door, right? Did we talk about why you're going and what's going on? How do we keep them engaged? How do we keep them motivated? It's the age-old question. And I'm not going to give you the answers here because there is no answers. We're always working on this all the time, right? I could tell you in my career, I could think of times where we just had the best team. Some of it was luck. Some of it was skill. We built some teams over the years that were just incredible, so strong, no weak links, everybody driving in the same direction. But it's hard to hang on to all those people because they want bigger, better, different things from their careers. So we got to work on that. We got to keep everyone engaged and training is key to that. You got to have a good training program and, and show people that we want them there. We want to move them forward. We value their time. You know, we talked a little bit tonight about how do we work with the other groups Mutual aid, interagency cooperation. It wouldn't be a course without talking some about social media. It's some of the best and worst stuff that there is out there, right? The public can get going on social media about your fire department and cause people to quit. And those same people that are doing that, believe me when I tell you, they are not going to sign up. They are not going to move the service forward. And they're going to complain about everything, right? I am often heard saying, haters got to hate. They think it's their job and they want to do a good job and you got to let them, right? There's no sense getting on there and trying to argue with them. And, you know, what's that one that Einstein says is careful arguing with stupid people. They'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. And so, you know, that's true. You got to be careful with all that stuff. Our community engagement needs to be a really good part of our program, right? We have to get them on our side. We have to show them we're there for them. We work for them. They're... It's the whole reason for being there. And it's all the words that come next. Duty, respect, integrity. You know, having command presence. Letting people know that you're the leader. And also letting people know when it's not your time to be the leader and that you're supporting another leader. Without that strong command presence, it'll be hard to lead the organization. 
There's so many challenges out there today. There, you know, there's not enough time to do the job. There's not enough money to do the job. It's a high stakes game. I'm telling you, political pressure, profile of different incidents. You're always judged by your last call, the risky situations, uh, poor information. We make a mistake that lasts forever sometimes. And, and so there's a lot of challenges, right? And then leadership collapse. You know, sadly, that's a part of my my day-to-day life is making sure that we work through those leadership collapses that happen, whether it's at a call, whether it's the whole fire service, whether it's working together with government that's having trouble. Leadership collapse is a real thing, and it's getting more often, and, and we got to fight back against that. You know, situational awareness and some common sense. Isn't it crazy that the title is common sense? when it's not so common anymore, you know, so unbelievable talking about those things, watching things, orientating yourself, making decisions, following that with action, and then starting the whole process over again. And so, you know, these are some parts of the course that I just love and and discussions that we had amongst the, the 10 or 12 of us, whatever it ended up being about what's your intent here? How are you going to give all these people value? How are you going to want them to stay and be part of it? I don't want to go on and on. I'm not trying to teach you a course here. But at the end of the day, it's really about those pieces that impact you, those pieces that make you want to be part of it, make you want to stay part of it, make you want to drive to be better. David Griffin, Dr. David Griffin was out here in Chestmere, I don't know, a few weeks ago now. And I got to tell you, I've heard that guy speak so many times. If you get a chance, get out there and listen to him. Amazing speaker, owns his part of everything that's happened in his career. He made an immediate impact. Like he left and I could see things that the crew was doing that they weren't doing before. And so it's an immediate impact. And so those kinds of learning sessions, those kinds of talks, all of these different courses that everybody has, right? Soak it all in, right? When you get a chance, talk to people and put it out there and and be part of the solution. You know, I beg you for the good of the fire service, we all got to constantly have these discussions and, and put it all out there. So for me, there you go. Season two, episode 23, Growing Up Fire. Thanks for listening to me. Hope that you enjoy some of this stuff. You know, give us a shout out on our social media stuff. Stop me in the street. Stop me when I come to your town. Always up for a talk. Always love to talk about leadership and all the pieces that go. So, you know, let's just keep this thing going. Let's keep the discussion going. Thanks for supporting us. Thanks for moving it all forward and hope to see you soon. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.